Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Marianne Wolfe. On today's show, we talk about adverse childhood experiences and trauma-informed practices, ACEs, affect social and emotional learning and academic outcomes, and COVID has only exacerbated this issue. To talk about how to better support students, we are joined by our resilience and learning team members, a principal, and a school psychologist. We are so pleased to be joined by Yolanda Thorne and Angela Mendel, both who are program managers at the Forum's Resilience and Learning Program. Social and emotional learning and trauma-informed practices are not new concepts, but are certainly very important in our schools and especially given COVID. I'd love to have each of you explain just a little bit more about what they are. I like to think of it as a methodology that supports our students with their feelings helping them to feel what they feel, feel their feelings fully and own their feelings. And with that comes more empathy and compassion for others, empathy and compassion for themselves, obviously, but also for others. And there's so many components to that. Self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and responsible decision-making skills. It's just a methodology that helps students to know how to own their feelings, how to regulate. And when they fully know that with themselves, they can better support the feelings of others. And all of that builds connection, it builds relationship. And I think it's always been needed, but definitely in the current current climate that we're in in the world right now. Angela, I wonder if you could talk just a little bit about what adverse childhood experiences are and why they're important for educators and families to understand. There was a study done several, several years ago around um, adverse childhood experiences, and it's just really intriguing to think it, it did not even come out of looking at Education thing, it you know it was out of Kaiser Permanente many years ago, and um, but as the common thread for those adults that this that this researcher saw was that they all had these adverse things that happened to them as a child that had basically um, impacted them as they became adults, and so as the studies have continued, we see now that those adverse childhood experiences have um, impact on brain development and how children are able to um, function as they grow older and in in life. Understanding that is so critical. It's it's the foundation for social-emotional learning within our schools. If we don't look at it from that trauma-informed, whether we know that a child has um, experienced any type of trauma or not, if we approach situations from this trauma-informed lens with the thought of what is going on, what has happened, Um, then and kind of looking at the needs behind the deeds, not just focusing on the behaviors, but what's causing the behaviors. Every child may not have experienced some type of these traumas that we're talking about, but sometime in life, they're going to have some adversities. And if we can help lay that foundation, be part of that resilience building and help them be able to move through that, then that to me is just a good day's work. I wonder if you could each share an example or two about what this looks like in schools. Building trauma-informed learning environments for everyone who has any type of connection or impact with the students in that building, it's almost like students and, and staff members have a new way of viewing behaviors, a new way of reflecting 
about their behaviors and their responses. And so when we go into these schools and we're sharing these trauma-informed practices, it's almost like a, a light bulb comes on. Like, I know that, but now I have a different lens in which I look at it. Like, instead of seeing a student as being purposely disruptive or out of control, now I can say, well, maybe that student is just having difficulty regulating. And when I change the way I look at it and the way I identify and approach it, then there's more chance for connection and bonding and healing and learning, obviously, to take place. And so that's kind of the core of what we do with, with trauma-informed practices and creating a trauma-informed environment. It, it almost shifts the mindset um, of the way we view behaviors and the way we respond to behaviors and then the way we reflect on ourselves, the students reflect on themselves and the educators reflect on their teaching practices. I have been in some of the situations where the teachers have transformed from, from not necessarily understanding this to really looking at the situation, the students that they're working with and it has changed their feelings about teaching. It has changed their fulfillment as an educator when they look at things differently. I was always, as, as the behavior specialist in my school district, show up on the scene when they call me and they wanted to focus on what happened, what, what, what went on with that child, that child's behavior. And I was always saying, well, what was going on right before then? How did they act this morning? And they would kind of get frustrated. And I'm like, you know, that's the important part. It's not what's wrong with you. It's what has happened to you. What are driving those emotions? What are driving those feelings? And when you see that shift in the teachers and they can start helping the children and meet them where they're at and move forward, it really is. Um, it really changes and opens so many opportunities, like Yolanda said. How are our teachers doing, given all the additional stresses ah. that COVID has brought? And, um, and what are some of the things we're doing to support them? You don't have to really think but a few minutes to realize how overwhelmed they, they must feel right now. Um, you know, as I'm going into schools and helping coach them in, in this process with resilience and learning, I just, I almost feel like I need to apologize for coming to give them one more thing to, to think about because they really are dealing with so much, but they are resilient. They are troopers that they are really, have taken a situation like no other in history and um, for the most part are, are dredging through it. The biggest thing I just keep trying to encourage them to do is self-care, to take care of themselves. They cannot give out what they don't have within them and encouraging the school districts and the school administration to help support our teachers. They are, you know, they can't, you know, one teacher said the other day, talking about having a, a, a supportive teacher lounge that they go in. She said, I would just love to be able to go to the bathroom during the day. She said, I just can't even do that. There's not time for that. You know, our, the, the teachers that are teaching um, what we would call the special classes or the enhancement classes, those aren't necessarily being able to happen because those teachers being pulled to be subs for teachers that are out due to COVID. And it has just been a vicious cycle. And and, you know, two years now. And can you imagine in any other job that somebody was in that they feel like they cannot wholly and completely and fully do their job for a week, much less two whole years. And it has just, hopefully there's going to be an end soon. I just hope more teachers will hang on and take care of themselves and still be there on the other side of this because we need them.
As we wrap up, I'd love to give each of you an opportunity um, just to give a piece of advice for schools, educators, and families right now on how we can keep a trauma-informed lens and focus on social-emotional learnings. Control what you can. Like, I just feel like there's so much going on right now, and we cannot control everything. But just control what we can and let the rest go. As long as we are doing the best we can to, to take care of ourselves. Like we hear this term self-care so much. Sometimes it's just as simple as taking a few deep breaths. Sometimes it's literally that simple as stepping back and saying, I need a moment for myself. I can't do this. So that's the way that we can take care and control whatever we can and let the rest go so that we aren't bogged down and even heavier in a climate that's already extremely overwhelming. Give yourself and others some grace. We, we really don't know what others are going through and we're experiencing things ourselves that we've never gone through before. We've always heard people say that, well, we're all in the same boat, but we're really not all in the same boat. We're in the same storm. We're all experiencing the same storm, but we're all in different boats and experiencing it at different places and different ways. And I just think that we just need to give ourselves some grace and just give grace to, to those around us because that's the only thing I think that's really going to get us through this. And that does circle back to really understanding our students and where they're from as well. And so I really appreciate both of you sharing that and all the work you're doing every single day. Thank you so much for being here. After the break, we will be joined by a principal and school psychologist who utilize trauma-informed practices in their Nash County public schools. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank serving others, enriching lives. Welcome back. We are so pleased to be joined by Quentin Mangano, the principal of Nashville Elementary from Nash County Public Schools. So Quentin, I know you have been a principal in elementary schools and also a teacher for a long time and have a lot of experience with kids and communities. And I wonder if you could talk just a little bit about what do you feel are the greatest challenges that students and staff at your school are facing on a daily basis? All of our communities are under a tremendous amount of stress, um, but that stress then manifests in, in different ways with different people, and it kind of depends on your role. So uh, contributing factors to me um, include right now just uncertainty with everything that's going on with the pandemic. Um, people generally tend to want structure and routine and some sort of understanding of what's to come. And right now with the way things are, there's a lot of uncertainty. So that causes for a lot of, uh, it just added stress to, to everybody. One of the things I know you've done a lot of work in is social and emotional learning and also trauma-informed care. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about how that has helped you in your school and also just a little more about what that does for kids every day. Everybody goes through something and we can all learn ways to kind of manage and be aware of what our bodies are going through and how we're feeling um, and then try to just work on ways to improve it. And if, if it is a negative feeling, then learning ways to um, help reduce that and, and looking for help from adults and from parents and whoever we can get help from. And usually I do video announcements and we, I'll hold up the, this card and we talk about event plus response equals outcome. Um, and the important thing here is that 
our students and anyone, we all we really have control only over the response. The response to the event is really what determines the outcome. And ultimately, that's our, our biggest power is to be able to um, make choices that make our responses to these things something positive so that when the outcome occurs, we've either grown through the experience or we have gained something to make us stronger. That formula to me uh, can be applied in just about every aspect of life, but we teach it here at school often just to develop more self-awareness and self-control, um, self-regulation, and really self-responsibility in knowing that you can you can affect what happens to you. If we can all just be more aware of each other and of ourself, then we're much more likely to be able to help each other and help ourselves. So awareness kind of is the starting point for me. Uh, and then um, at our school for the last couple of years, we've used, we've had the kind of a three word motto, connect, adapt, expand. And and so we just look for trying to teach, teach our kids ways to connect and our staff ways to connect with kids um, and just adapt to circumstances and expand and grow through the experiences that we have at school. You've had a chance to work with the resilience and learning team um, at the forum and in doing that have implemented some specific strategies. So I wonder if you could describe just a little bit what that looks like, um, just so that um, those that are watching and listening can kind of picture what this means in your school. It's it. We're in the early goings of, of creating change and trying to uh, branch out, having the structure and having a coach to come and sort of lead our team through that. It, we're setting the foundation to then expand that out to the rest of the school. And, and then now we have second step where we're all teaching one consistent um, format and one consistent curriculum. So we've we got a common language. And I think the Resiliency Project is going to help us to just further develop um, our outreach and kind of consistency and leadership. I wonder if you could talk just a little bit about the positive impact your school and your kids have experienced because of your work in social emotional learning and when with trauma-informed practices. Our, our staff is, uh, we're just a tight-knit um, group who kind of have a lot of um, just a lot of love, a lot of empathy. We, we've created a place where I think everybody that um, everybody that's a part of it wants to be a part of it. Well, that is a gift. And I know your students and your educators and families are so fortunate that you're in your leadership role. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. Now we will turn to Lee Heilman Steele, a school psychologist in Nash County Public Schools. Lee, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I know that you're working with students and teachers and staff every single day, and we're curious to hear what do you see as the greatest challenges that your students and staff are facing? And also, how is the focus on social emotional learning and trauma helping you to address those challenges? From our student perspective, I think they are still struggling with a lot of inconsistencies and uncertainties in their daily lives. Um, you know, as we know, COVID is still out there and anyone that they know could get sick, they could get sick. Um, within the school building, we're having a lot of teachers get sick. So we have subs in and out of the building 
sometimes we don't have subs, so classes are split up into other classrooms. So on a weekly or even sometimes a daily basis, our kiddos don't necessarily know what they're going to get when they come to school. And then I'd imagine it's a very similar story at home with the rest of the world reopening, you know, a lot of their parents and their families are back to work. So if they're sick or if their caregiver is sick, being able to have, um, you know, safe childcare options, it's not always a given for, for, well, really any families, but a lot of the kids that we serve. For social emotional learning, we um, have implemented a core program with Second Step that our guidance counselor does on a regular basis during our guidance lessons. We also have targeted groups for social skills for kids who need a little bit of extra support, whether it's with making friends or solving problems or emotional regulation. And those are targeted um, based on referrals from teachers. Our Classrooms are still doing a morning meeting. Uh, that was something that they started during the pandemic to just kind of check in, see how everyone is doing. And it's been a really big hit. It turns out you can find out a whole lot about these kids and how they're doing and what they need just in chatting with them for the first, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of the day. I know one of the things we've talked a lot about is also just having trauma-informed practices and what that mm -hmm. means. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what that is in your schools and in your work and how that affects both the adults and the kids. As far as what's being implemented, each school is in a very different place along their journey towards trauma-informed practices. So some schools are a little bit farther than others, while some are kind of on the ball and they've kind of taken it and they're running with it. Others are still kind of working to build up and establish a team of um, consistent uh, staff members who are going to be able to start targeting what their individual school needs. Um, we had started in one of my schools the year that COVID closed the school. So some things we had put into place before the pandemic closed were things like peace corners, um, like a staff break room where they could go and kind of rest and relax and recharge. Um, the peace corners were a really big hit, but last school year we kind of moved away from those with the shared materials and areas amongst students when they were doing in-person learning. After the training had been done with Ms. Thorne, one thing I've noticed from both of my elementary schools that are still kind of in those foundational building stages is they're starting, I think the administration is really starting to recognize the amount of stress that our educators are under right now and the toll that the pandemic and everything to do with education and its aftermath has been taking on them. And just acknowledging that, you know, a lot of our staff, they don't have, they don't have full cups and it's really hard to pour from an empty cup. Even initiatives as simple as jeans on Fridays or acknowledging their hard work or letting them, you know, take an hour of self-reflection time on a workday. Those little things are, I think, starting to add up to kind of help with the, the pandemic. Do you have any advice for educators, families in terms of how they can support their students in this time? Check in on each other. It could be checking in on your child, checking on your student, checking in on your colleague or the teacher down the hall. Just check in and let everyone know that we are in this together. You know, we might all be in different boats, but we are definitely still going through the same storm. And the more that we understand what we're able to offer, not just each other, but ourselves too, Self-compassion, grace, empathy will go a long way in getting us to the other side of this. Well, Lee, thank you so much for joining us and for what you're doing every day. I can tell just by listening to you, it's making a big difference for kids and educators. So thank you. And after the break, this week's final word. As we continue our focus on the whole child and student mental health, it is important for us to consider how a child's experiences affect their brain and their behavior. 
When I think back to teaching two decades ago, the research had not yet come out about adverse childhood experiences. I remember some of the behavioral challenges in particular, and I often wonder about how I may have been able to support students differently and more effectively if I knew more about adverse childhood experiences and some of the effects on the brain and behavior that they have. Many children in our classrooms and adults that we know experience or have experienced adverse childhood experiences or ACEs in their daily lives. ACEs include experiencing a potentially traumatic event like abuse or neglect, or living with a caregiver with a mental illness or substance abuse problem. At first glance, you may not think that this is the case for many of the children in your communities or the children that you know, but studies show that six in 10 individuals have at least one adverse childhood experience. Additionally, nearly two thirds of adults report experiencing a significant adverse childhood experience before the age of 18, and more than one in five experience three or more types of ACEs. These experiences can lead to trauma and toxic stress, which can hinder academic, social, and emotional learning. And the effects become more severe with the number of experiences. Students who experience three or more ACEs score lower than their peers on standardized tests are two and a half times more likely to fail a grade or up to 32 times more likely to be identified with learning and behavioral problems and are more likely to be suspended and expelled. The more ACEs a childhood experiences, the higher their long-term risk of substance abuse and other health issues. By understanding ACEs and employing trauma-informed practices early, there are opportunities to support students and help them overcome some of the impacts of ACEs and be ready to learn. Research also shows us that implementing effective social and emotional learning programs leads to significant and sustainable gains in academic outcomes, in addition to self-awareness and regulation, social awareness and relationship building, and responsible decision-making. Today, you heard directly from educators and members of the Public School Forum's Resilience and Learning Team about how they work to build understanding and awareness about trauma and its impacts, while also helping schools focus on resilience, support, and safety for their staff and students. Some of these strategies include school and staff-wide interventions, like calming spaces that can provide a safe space for a student to self-regulate and manage their behavior, a check-in, check-out program to support students who may need help meeting specific academics or behavioral goals, morning meeting time to include social-emotional learning lessons, and implementing a school-wide social-emotional learning curriculum. Teachers who understand ACEs ask different questions when a child behaves a certain way or is not able to grasp a topic or skill. Teachers who understand trauma and its effect on students go further and stride to have classrooms that support students where they are. Supporting social emotional learning in ACEs requires human resources. We have frequently discussed how North Carolina does not provide adequate funding for nurses, counselors, social workers, and psychologists to the estimated ratios that students need. For example, the recommended ratio for school social workers is one to 250 students. But in North Carolina, we currently have one social worker for every 1,289 students. For counselors, the recommendation is one for every 250 students. But in North Carolina, we have one for every 353 students, which is over 100 more students than counselors should realistically be able to support effectively. 
These critical roles serve as the part of the team with educators to support our students, and they have the training and expertise to meet the needs of our students. We made some progress this year with funding for psychologists, and some local counties and districts fund these positions to get closer to the recommended ratios, but North Carolina has a long way to go. The research shows us how we can make a difference through social and emotional learning and implementing trauma-informed practices as we strive to ensure that students are prepared for college, career, and citizenship. Supporting the whole child is key to their academic, social, and emotional learning and outcomes. Thank you for taking time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.